Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. <laughs> this is episode 41. I'm Matt Jarvis. I'm, of course, joined by two of the team this week. Uh, welcome back, Alex Lowley's your first appearance back on the podcast in 2021. How are you doing? How was your holidays? How was your holidays? How were your holidays? They was fine, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, just let's let's move on from there. Um, <laughs> I I'm gonna come straight in with the bingo call for forty one because mm. that's literally my role on this entire podcast, and um, it's actually very aptly forty one time for fun. <gasps> yeah. So I mean, isn't that what this podcast is all about? Yeah. yeah. Slowly, uh, that is um, the dicebreaker <laughs> motto: time for fun. Uh, yeah it's the tagline under everything that we do um also i missed last week so i thought i'd uh you know keep you all updated because i know everyone's pretty much just listening to the podcast for this bit so um in case you missed last week uh 40 is a life begins (gasps) that doesn't write what i know again saying you know i really like next week's one but i don't want to spoil it but i've just seen it and it's like I love it. <laughs> oh, I now, like... now everyone stops the recording because they don't. Yeah, they don't want to listen to the rest. Yeah, we should really backload the bingo chat. <laughs> I would like to, who's coming. Who's like you know deciding that these are these are the official bingo calls? Is there like a group of people sat around going like, hmm, what rhymes with thirty nine? Hmm. Well, rhyming doesn't seem to be the well, yeah. all-out rule, yeah. though, does no, it? No, because 39 was 39 <laughs> steps as well, so that was another not rhymy one. Yeah, mm. that's right. They're just sat around going, I don't know. Okay, what begins. would be better than 39 steps? If yeah. we get 39... Just in time. Time for wine! <laughs> sure, yeah. Wow! Yeah! <laughs> it's much better right. than these. I mean, we sorted that. All right, yeah, all right. well, on. look forward to our <laughs> list of the 99 top bingo calls. 90. I'm not 90. doing that list. <laughs> I'll do him. I'll do him. You're welcome to it. Uh, of course, we are joined by Alex Meehan. Hello, Alex Meehan. Hi. Uh, oh, I don't have any bingo side. calls, uh, but I can bring a lot of fun. I like to think, anyway. That's why people invite me to things, because I, I bring the fun. Mm. Bring the thunder. Mm. Yeah. It's bring like the- bringing the noise, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like you bring the noise i'll bring the fun and uh you know we can someone else get potato salad more... oh, <laughs> yeah. i do i do like potato salad but um i guess fun sort of encapsulates both the noise and many other things so it's a more of a catch-all term for just general enjoyment I'd like to go back on something you said there, and I'd like to just say that potato salad is massively underrated. Thank underrated. you very much, Lonely. Yes, mm, sure. I yeah. think I think potato salad is fantastic, especially if you get a good one. Mm. And I think everyone forgets about it. The only time you really have it is at a barbecue, right? I don't think anyone has potato salad at barbecue. Is it barbecues. one of those things that's considered like very seventies at this point, like prawn cocktail and that kind of thing? Ye- maybe. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I love yeah. potato salad. I'm not saying I consider it like seventies, but I think it it like falls into that. You know, plastic plates, everybody gathered round. Plastic it, it plates a thing in the seventies? I have no idea, mate. I wasn't okay, I wasn't might, around. Were, I think I think they were invented in the seventies. <laughs> Before then it was just handfuls of potato salad. In yeah. the sixties they were just covered in it. Mm. Yeah. People would eat off bread like they did in the medieval <clears throat> times. Mm. Mm. Off bread? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like before we had plates we would use like really what? hard lo like like slices of bread i'm not kidding look it up no way yeah yeah wow. there you, you go something new. i'm all mm. for it yeah instead of a bowl just like a very crispy yorkshire pudding bread That's, bowls yeah, are a thing yeah, though I've always wanted I, I, those. I've always wanted one as well. Yeah. There's a place that um in in London uh somewhere that, um, <laughs> that um does something called breakfast and bread, and they Ooh. do or used to do it on like a Saturday or Sunday. And I've tried to go a couple of times, but I could never get in. Or if I did get a seat, uh, or if I could get a seat, I should say, um, they were like, "Yeah, we're out of breakfast and breads," and I was like, "No, they look so good." And then they stopped doing them, and now I don't know if they've started doing them again, but. Yes, that's my story. There's mm. got to be a Hope recipe for that somewhere. You you must be able to kind of put that yeah. together at yeah. home. Yeah, but I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, you could probably get like a nice, like a nice, is it a cob? Is it a cob, the ones that are quite round? Like, yeah. you could get a nice one of those, like scoop out the innards and then chuck in like, I don't know, some, some sausages. <laughs> Is that what you do? Like with the breakfast and bread? Who knows? Uh, I've never had one, so I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, we are here, uh, as well as discussing breakfast foods, uh, we're here to discuss board games and tabletop RPGs for this week. Uh, and of course, as usual, we start off with what we've been playing. I'll go first, because all I've played is a game of Root. Uh, that was it. I didn't win, so it's not worth noting. Let's move on. Uh, oh. Alex Rowley's... You've okay. not... Was that your week? Okay. Was that your, was that your weekly game of root with me in? It was, yeah. I came so close to winning as well. I was playing the Eerie. Um, I only went. I went into turmoil a couple of times, uh, but it actually mm. it ended up kind of interesting because, for once, we came. Uh, one of the players came very close to winning with a dominance card, which is not something that I've had happen a lot in root. Mm. Um, but I. So they were playing as the Marquis de Cat, <laughs> and I was the Eerie. And we... Sounds kinky to me, that's all I can say. So the dominance card, <laughs> it basically replaces your victory points. So instead of getting to 30 victory points, you no longer have points and you have to achieve a very specific objective. Oh. So in this case, it was to hold three fox um, clearings until mm. the start of the next turn. But that mm. meant that because they were the Marquis de Cat and I was the Eerie, I was throwing all my troops into stopping them taking a fox clearing so that they wouldn't just win instantly on their next turn. So there were five or six rounds where we just went back and forth. And in the meantime, uh, the Vagabond and the uh, Woodland Alliance were able to just sweep in and catch up with us. I mean, um, oh. you're exaggerating <clears throat> what happened, okay? Like, sweep is not what I'd use to describe what I did. It's more the case of I destroyed my livelihood in the hopes of, of winning the game, which actually really messed me over and then our, my friend ended up winning the game as the woodland alliance even though we are fully aware of the fact that they do that on a regular basis and yet we were still bamboozled by it so there you go <laughs> great word great use of the word bamboozled thank you thank you <laughs> uh but lolis uh, as you haven't been on since last year what have you played in the time since we we last saw you and caught up Okay, I wrote quite a long list and there's actually more in this list, but I was like, I need to stop somewhere. So um, I've played some of my faves like Quacks of Quedlinburg on Tabletop Simulator, Machikoro, I talked to a few new people, Can't Stop, which is a great roll and write I talked about before. Uh, I played this, oh my God, on Christmas Day, I really wanted somebody to just come into the house and like 
I don't know, kidnap me or something. Because we, we played this game. Wasn't chosen by me. I, I, I went, so, right, just to rewind for a second. Uh, myself and my boyfriend at the time um, went to um, his friends for Christmas Day because um, they're from Ireland as well and they also didn't go home this year and they just live up the road so we just went to them for the day and I was told bring like you're in charge of like entertainment so I brought board games I brought like my switch and so put some games on the switch um, and in the end we played only one game that I brought which is like this emoji game it's like you know she show a card and it's got like a number of different emojis and it will tell you like it's the name of a film and you've got to try uh. and figure it out and it's really really fun it's really simple but really fun um, so we played that, that went down well, the, the, we kind of finished the night on that. What we played before that is a game called Fleeced, which is a Wallace and Gromit, um, wait, is it a Wallace and Gromit? I think it's a Wallace and Gromit game. Is it like um, a Sean the Sheep one? Yeah, 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 with loads of sheep yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was the worst thing I'd ever played <laughs> oh, no. in my entire life. Whoa! We, we like, sat there, and the thing is that the girl like whose house it was um she'd had the game like i think she said she had it like years ago and she really liked it so she got it she like ended up finding on ebay or something because it's really hard to get a hold of now um and so she was like you know teaching us the game and then i was like okay i'm gonna check the rules and all of her rules were wrong so i was like actually it's like this actually it's like this actually it's like this um and then it was just like just kind of awful because we're kind of playing half her rules half the actual rules and like uh just no please no um <laughs> did not like it um i have to say that the components were incredible though uh, it came with a bunch of these like plastic sheep um and they were really well made and there was like proper weight to them as well so i was like oh. really impressed with the components of the game but um the actual gameplay was awful but do you think it would have been better if you played by the rules as written or no. I don't think it would have made a huge difference, to be honest. It's just a really dull game. Um, Ouch. Had, had yeah. she played it recently, or was this kind of like a nostalgic, th- I'm going back to it with everyone else? And I think she said she played it during the summer, oh, and okay. she played it with her nieces who cried because it's like it's quite a mean game like you are um going around you have to go into this the market square and there's like um shops all around the edge of the square and once you, you go around until you like you pick up cards when you land on certain spaces and some of the cards give you a key uh to one of the houses like the buildings around so once you've got the key you need to then land on a specific space and then you draw another card that tells you how many sheep were in that building and the sheep are then in the market square. And then you need to roll a certain like, amount of dice to like take the sheep. And then you have to like bring them home. But on your way home, other people can come and take your sheep away. And like it kind of goes back and forth. So like and also if you you get this like sheep whistle and once you have sheep in tow, you need to blow the sheep whistle before you can move anywhere. If you don't blow your sheep whistle and you move, all your sheep disappear so the two guys who were playing kept forgetting to blow their sheep whistle. So like every single turn, they were like losing the sheep and they were getting really annoyed. And then me and the girl were like laughing at them, but also like just, it was just really annoying. Um, so yeah, it can be really cruel. I think especially for kids like who will probably forget to blow the yeah. sheep whistle. Cause you're also not allowed to blow it if you don't have sheep in tow. So it's very important that you only blow it when you have sheep. 
Um, it's very important, you guys. Okay, I don't. I, it's it's up here. Don't I'll forget never forget that. Whistle. I think I think this game will probably replace Root on your weekly um, games. Oh. So just remember that one rule, okay? So anyway, that was horrible. Um, and then uh, the other thing I've been, oh two other things I've been playing Libertalia, which is probably the game that really got me into modern board games. Um, it's a really great uh, pirate themed. Um, I don't know what what the mechanic you'd call it actually is. Maybe a programming game. Um, where everyone has this. Uh, you play over three weeks, and everyone has the same set of cards. Um, but you like play them onto a board, and they have different values, and depending on the values, they are happen in a certain order. And then you're trying to get loot, and you're trying to have like the most amount of loot at the end of the three weeks. But it's it's really 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 good, and I kind of forgotten about it. And it's on Board Game Arena, and I really love it. So I was teaching it to a friend of mine um, and we played a couple of games of that, which was great to go back to. And I really want to get an actual copy, but I think it might be out of print for like a good while. Yeah, I think it is because like a while ago, I read a, a piece by a designer. Uh, I think the designer uh, thought actually, um, but he, he picked it as like a, his favorite game of all time. And it sounded wow. incredible. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. I like pirates. I like like the sound of the gameplay mm. and tried to find a copy and just couldn't. I think it, it might anywhere. be my my favorite pirate themed board game for sure. Wow. Like it's it's really good. Like the theme is great. The characters are great. The artwork is brilliant. Like, um, yeah. And obviously, I've got that like thing of it being one of the first games I ever like, first kind of modern board games I ever played. Um, yeah, really, really. And I think you can play like up to six players as well. So um, it's quite good in in that in that sense. I think I'm getting it confused with that game where you have to. Is it the one where you have to play different cards and they're worth different values and that allows you to take treasure at certain times? No, that's it. Is that it? it. Okay, yeah, I've also yeah. played this game. Okay, I wasn't sure. And it's if like it's... on a ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have yeah. you're like, oh, I'm gonna play this card. It means I can take the doubloons. Yes, yes, that's that's it. That's exactly. <laughs> at yeah, this, yeah. I I have also played this game and I did like it. Um, yeah. And it was a physical copy that someone had somehow. Yeah, so. yeah, same. Yeah, it was. Well, it was a friend of mine in in Paris who who kind of got me into this stuff. Um, I guess, um, and he had the game, and that was like the first one he kind of taught me, and mm. it was great. Mm. Um, and then the final thing I've been playing, and I've been playing this. I wrote down uh, times a million because I literally have been playing this like the last kind of week before I came back. I played it literally from like. I don't know, 11 a.m. to like 11 p.m. <laughs> just over and over again. I'm, I take, I took some breaks to play some Beat Saber, um, but then I would come back and play this again. Um, so much so that I, um, this is on Board Game Arena as well, so much so that <laughs> after one of the games, it gives you like badges on Board Game Arena um, for like um, doing certain things. And I uh, received a badge of um, Addict. <laughs> Welcome wow. to Addict. Um, so yeah, it's it's a welcome to. It's a roll and write game. I don't actually know who it's by, um, but it's it's really good. I've played. I played Welcome to Las Vegas in at Essen two years ago, and that's like the next one kind of in the series, I think. And I I think that one was a bit much for me because I hadn't played Welcome to, and I was like, I don't know what is going on. I enjoyed it, but like it was just a bit overwhelming. Um, and Welcome to is a really nice. Roland Wright that yeah I've obviously grown to love because I've been playing it nonstop. Um yeah, where you just put in numbers, you're like building buildings and you can make estates and there's like a f- few different kind of roads you can go down. I've also been playing on competitive mode on BGA. So I'm currently 
a gold rank thing. Don't know what that yeah. means. Wow. Oh, so you're going up against other people because it's it's pretty good as a solo game, right? Like most rolled points. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can play this like up to I think twelve people as well. Um, because it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Well, it does matter in certain way because there's like certain objectives that are obviously like for everyone, and the more people you have involved, the like the harder it is to to kind of get those. But um, uh, yeah. So on the competitive kind of, because they've got an arena mode on board game arena, weirdly. Um, they there's like you play that against two other people, and um, yeah, and then if you come first, you get a certain amount of points. If you come second, you get a certain amount of, certain amount of certain amount of points and if you come third you lose points um from your ranking so yeah that's what i've been doing with my time and my life nice (laughs) welcome to i i think i've only played like twice but i remember really like it it's like a do they call it like a flip and write yeah i guess it would be because you're flipping cards yeah i actually really want to get a physical copy of this because i have enjoyed it that much yeah but i haven't played the second one but you say that that's just like another step Oh. yeah so it's it is quite different actually like i do remember i don't remember it fully because obviously i hadn't played welcome to so i didn't have the comparison but i remember like you were drawing on roads and you were like creating i don't know i think you were also building buildings but i can't remember exactly and i think you were putting in like traffic lights or something but it was it was set in las vegas so it was more it was like more blocks than uh, like estates because they've got like rows of houses and welcome to it's very suburban whereas like Las Vegas is obviously in Las Vegas. There's that. I think you build fountains in Las Vegas as well, actually. Oh, yeah, because you can do pools in Normal Welcome 2, is it? I guess. Yeah, pools. Because it's like, I think it's full of like, Welcome to Your Perfect Home, which is just, of course, yeah. everybody just calls it Welcome 2, because that's yeah. just a over long name. I think it's just called Welcome to on Board Game Arena as well. Mm. But I think you're right. I think it is called Welcome to Your Perfect Home. I think I think the the series is Welcome to, right? And then oh, it's maybe, blah, blah, blah yeah. is the bit afterwards. Ooh, I'm just right. sad. Just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You've been playing me. <laughs> Not Welcome to. <laughs> oh, you're missing out. <laughs> yeah, I want to play more Roll and Rights because pretty much the only Roll and Rights I've played is... Um, Yahtzee, obviously, uh, and uh, Ganshon Clever, like, that's about it, uh, and I know that you and Matt are both big fans of Roll and Rights, so uh, I do want to get in on that. I know you like Railroad Inc. a lot, Mr. Jarvis. Yeah, I like, uh, yeah, and I think Gans, like, Gans is one of the best mm. Roll and Rights. I mean, it's like pure mechanical, it is as Roll and Right as they come. Oh. You roll those dice, you put it. them in the box, and you get some numbers out the other end. Because it, it requires you to have some understanding of like numbers and how they work, and I'm not very good at that. So uh, I just sort of participated, and I was like, this is fun. Uh, while my other friends were like, oh, I'm going to get you. They were so competitive. And I just yeah. sat there in the corner on my stool, just like, I like numbers. Gans is one of those games where after you've played it a number of times and you start to get into the knowledge of like, okay, here's where I should be building up. Because mm. you can't do everything. So it's like trying yeah. to balance out. Because my wife and I got very heavily into it for a number of months and we would compete with each other where we would both be playing the solo mode and trying to beat each other's scores. A dark so we were, time. Like, we were a dark time in the Jarvis household. So it's like... 
at points I was like looking up strategies of like, okay, how does this work? Where should I be putting my numbers? Which power should I be aiming for? Yeah, no, I don't think I'd ever get like that for any game ever. I think the closest I ever got like that for for any game is maybe like Super Smash Bros. And that's a video game. But, I was going to say, <laughs> I've, I've recently done that for the very first time ever and it's Beat Saber. I actually was like, how do I maximize my points in this game? <laughs> this, I was like, I felt like such a nerd, like, <laughs> like reading an article about it. Mm. Um, but there are great people who do those articles, so it's nice to support them. But yeah. um, apart from Root, the only other thing I've been playing is Wingspan, which we talked about before. Um, this is the digital version of the game because I can't get a hold of the physical copy because we've played it. Yeah, um, yeah, like, on the stream. Yeah, um, I do really want a physical copy though because it's a beautiful game. Uh, uh, it's just a, a question of funds, really. But um, yeah, uh, my f- friend and I played it over the weekend, uh, and because she was like, "Can we play Wingspan?" I was like, "Yeah, okay." So we just sat down on the same PC and uh, played it that way because you can play locally. Because it doesn't really matter if your opponents see what you're doing, because the game literally tells you what they're doing. And when you're playing, also in real life, yeah, you just have you would be able to, to see what people are doing. So um, it's not really like that. Like Wingspan, it's not really hugely interactive in terms of between players. Like you have a few things, like oh, if I have this bird, it means when this person does this, I also get to do this or something like that. Mm. But for the most part, people are in their own sort of worlds during the game but um yeah it's it's really interesting i won one and she won the other one and we both like won on a similar kind of point count so for the first game i got like 70 points or something um and she got 70 points like for the next game so it's almost like we totally flipped our outcomes but you'd be surprised how much of that game is driven by luck like a lot of it's just what do you draw at the start and throughout the game and like what the bonuses are because sometimes and with the food so like during one of the games i just was not getting the food i needed to play my bird cards which meant that it just because it's an engine builder game it just slows the pace of your game down so much like whereas when you're in the zone like when you're playing like this bird card and this bird card and like oh I'll lay some eggs and it feels like so good when you're yeah when you're on a roll like um it's it's a really good game like wingspan it's just so it and digitally it actually works really well like i've not played the physical version so i wouldn't be able to tell exactly like how different it would be but it like aside from a few examples of where you can't go back on something because it's just a bit too late for the most part the game just works really well it's very intuitive and we had a lot of fun so there you go nice yeah i yeah wingspan i think it helps that the app is just so slick as well Mm. it's it's probably right up there with the best of yeah kind of board game apps going yeah, we've it just makes everything and... very easy to see and understand. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the bird facts don't play. No idea why. Just randomly, sometimes they just won't play. Like, hmm. yeah, some some rounds it's fine. Other other times you'll play one and it's silence. <laughs> okay. 
We don't need to there learn about no that bird. There are no facts about this bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the woman who does the facts is like, I'm not doing this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm on a break. She's like having a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Penguins. Uh. Yeah. Her voice is so like gentle that... The idea of her sat, like, on a step outside smoking a cigarette. With a cup of tea. Like, I'll be there in a second! Look at them! This thing called Wikipedia, don't you know? Flicking cigarette butts at the pigeons. And then walking back and being like, birds are magnificent creatures. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, should we move on to news? Well, news! Yes, that is the correct response to this news. <laughs> Uh, there's actually it's it's been quite an exciting week. There's a lot that's uh, already on the way, um, only a week or two into the new year. Uh, so first up, we have, um, I can't remember if we spoke about this on the podcast last week. Uh, we may have uh, not, because no. it was only a teaser at the time. But the the new game from the designer of Star Wars Rebellion, Mansions of Badness, uh, Eldritch Horror, um, Battlestar Galactica, the board game, um, I think also worked on the latest Twilight Imperium, wow. um, Corey Kanishka, um, has been revealed. Uh, so it's called The Initiative, um, which is a word that I've discovered that I consistently misspell every time I type it. Um, <laughs> I miss out an I or put an I in the wrong place. It's a toughie. Yeah. There's a lot of I's. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of I's in that one. Uh, so happily, Chase wrote this up, uh, mainly because of my fear <laughs> of the word initiative. Um, but it's he it's, took initiative, did he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, very good. Um, it's a really interesting. <laughs> so Corey worked on, uh, although he's probably best known for Mansions of Madness, um, Eldritch Horror, and so on. Um, Corey also worked on, uh, gosh, what's it called? Discovery Lands Unknown, um, no which idea, was the right? other game that came out around the time of Keyforge, oh. and was the other unique. Uh, game quote unique this is um, the first time i've ever heard of this <laughs> yeah i mean it, it wasn't particularly well received um but it was the concept of it was the the game was semi-randomized in every box so different you would open your box and you would have a unique combination of quests characters land terrain tiles all of that um so this was while um Corey was still working at fancy flight games mm. uh, which he then left in mid 2019 i think to start up unexpected games which is a new studio that is also owned by Asmodi, which owns fancy flight um so the initiative is the first game to come out of unexpected games uh, it was kind of delayed out of last year due to covid um but it, now it's been revealed and the reason i bring up uh discovery lands unknown i'm pretty sure that's what it's called um, is that it seems to be another quite ambitious um, kind of m- melding of ideas. So it, it's a board game, um, but it is a kind of cooperative game where different sessions are tied together by a comic book. So you'll read a comic book as kind of like a prelude to each session. Um, and then I think at the end of each session, you'll read it and it will continue the story and tie everything together. Um, and it's also... Uh, it also appears to be using some kind of uh, like ARG um, so like a, a meta game they've got a website up and running that has puzzles that haven't been revealed yet uh, they had a code to announce the the title um, and so it, it seems like they're trying to go beyond kind of just the board game on the table in a lot of ways 
Um, but the, the general kind of premise of it is that you are a bunch of teens in 1994 um, and you are exploring a board game called The Key, which is a board game in the universe of the board game, The Initiative. Um, well, I've, you've lost me already, mate. Yeah. yeah. You, you had me in 1994, a very well, good that, year. But yeah. then I'm like... <laughs> a very good year. <laughs> I was born that year. Were you even alive? Okay, you were born that year. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It's, we don't really know <laughs> about it. It's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like one of those wine smooths. <laughs> ah, yes, a very good year. <laughs> very good Sorry, year God. for people. It was a very good year. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, right. the short of this is that it, it, it seems to be quite ambitious in terms of what it's trying to pull off. There's a comic book in there, there's the ARG, there's this kind of board game within a board game uh, in the narrative or whatever it is. Um, and they're they mention elements of code cracking and puzzle solving. Mm. Um, so that's that's kind of what we know. And it's also out very soon. It's out this spring. Well, um, There's no Kickstarter, nothing like that. It's just it's just coming out. Um, so, Good. yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued <laughs> to see what it is after all nice. of this time. So um, Corey kind of describes it as a passion project. Um, and it, like I said, it's been in the works a while, it seems, more than a year. Um hmm. So, intriguing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very intriguing. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, as you were like reeling off, uh, I'm going to ruin this so bad. Kinich, Kinichka? Kinichka. Kinichka. Uh, Wait, what? <laughs> the, the games they've designed, like, oh. it's like the greatest hits of some of the, you know, some of modern board games, like, yeah, some of modern board games' greatest mm. hits. So, You'd think that that's a pretty good horse to back in terms of, yeah, like if they're designing it, um, hopefully it's not overly ambitious. Uh, yeah, which I was, I think the the downfall of Discovery versus something like Keyforge. Mm. Keyforge was very, it had this ambitious each deck is unique idea, but it was very clear cut. It was just like you've got a different deck, you've got a different deck. Whereas Discovery. Um, from what I read and what I heard um, was that it just felt a bit like directionless as a mm. result because this it was is... trying to be a, a more kind of a bigger yeah. scale. This is what I'd worry game, about but... with with this because it sounds like there's a lot going <clears> on <throat> with like a comic book and you know AR stuff and you know if it's just oh there's there's puzzle solving and code breaking and there's like a comic book you can get along with it then fair enough. But the fact that all of these elements are kind of required with the game make me sit there and think, uh, is this going to yeah. be a bit of a, a mess? But maybe it will be a masterpiece. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. It's what I'll quickly add because I expect some folks in the comments might point this out. Of course, like Corey didn't design all of those games alone, like Nikki Valens helped out with mm. Mansions mm. of Madness and Twilight Imperium, of course. Had several designers, but... Um, I think Corey was the VP of design and research uh, at the time he left Fancy Flight. So, you know, quite quite high up, like a lot mm. of creative kind of control over those projects. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm intrigued more than anything else. Um, you know, I've Unexpected Games said that they will be focusing on kind of more ambitious, inventive designs. So hopefully this kind of sets a good example going forward where we then see that stuff land well rather than just you know 
potentially just screw up <laughs> yeah you know. it's good to see a publisher take those kind of risks yeah because I think that's on the, the other yeah. hand we're so used to seeing about billion euro games that are fairly similar to one another or like you know fantasy flight as much as they produced really quality you know products they're not exactly like the at the helm of of you know in, inventive game design so um, hopefully it will straddle those two lines between a mess and you know a boring mm-hmm. uh, let's move on to this next one another big announcement this week is the next game from the folks that make Root uh, Alex mm. Mean you wrote this story tell us about Ahoy Ahoy there mateys uh, yeah um, this was announced uh, uh, earlier this week um by Patrick uh, Lado, who who is the founder of Video I believe Games? so, yeah. yeah. Um, you would think so, given that the, it's named <laughs> after him. But I don't know if there were other co-founders. But. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm, I'm referring to. But anyway. Um, so it was originally called uh, Hyperspace Smuggler. Uh, and it was like a sci-fi game where you fly around the universe and, and you know, carry illegal goods and such. Uh, it was on Kickstarter during 2016, but it, it kind of failed to get its funding towards the end. And what? So, yeah, yeah. With a name like that. <laughs> that, not hit that. I, I know. He slowly says me and said, I just face my It's not a good name, is it? It's um, no. Yeah. It's such a board game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so it was, it was kind of cancelled. The campaign was cancelled. But... It seems to have been given new life uh, with Ahoy, which is, it's been described as a re-theming. I don't know how much, you know, how different it's going to be from the original, you know, vision of the game. Um, but it's described as an asymmetric adventure game about piracy, rebellion, smuggling and control. Um, and the creator, uh, Greg Loring Albright, uh, revealed that apparently hyperspace was originally going to be a pirate game anyway, so it's kind of gone full circle. Um, yeah, I mean it's a smuggler, right? Which is kind of mm. could be yeah, yeah. very piratey. Mm, indeed. Um, so there's no release date for the game as of yet, um, or whether it's going to have a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, all we know is the name and the theme. Uh, so I guess we'll have to wait and see what it's going to be like. So, I mean, I liked most of what Loader Games has put out recently. Uh, so hopefully this uh, follows that same vein of quality. Mm. I think one thing that they... Lader, Lader's good at a lot of things, but one thing that Lader's very good at is short names that still manage to get enough kind of liquor flavour in there mm. and, and feel unique enough, where it's like root. Fast. Yeah, they have a naming convention. Of, four. It's four letters. Yeah, of four isn't letter. Yeah. yeah, even. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess so. Didn't they have a game that's like two four letter names? I can't remember. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, Root, Vast, yeah, Oath, like. Oh, yeah! <laughs> So uh, hopefully this retheming and whatever redesign they're doing, if they're doing any at all, will make the game a bit more attractive. I mean, you can't judge anything off a just a Kickstarter campaign because sometimes some you know do well and some don't. There's not always like a exact rule, but um, yeah, who knows? Hmm. I'm. I mean, I'm. 
I'm down for a pirate game from later games. Yeah. Like, yeah, me too. Yarr. I haven't even played Root, but I want to. I want more. I like pirate. Hmm. Yeah. Pirate games, I think. Lowly <laughs> <Lonely> goes. <laughs> pirate games. Pirates? I mean, different on. <laughs> I would say, did they say, did they confirm that Kyle Ferrin is doing the art? No. If not, they I would not. assume there's a very strong possibility that Kyle Ferrin well, is doing the art. And they do, because. Yeah, I'm. I'm very much down to see Carl Ferrin's take on pirates. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. All right, Okey excellent. Uh, I'm uh, going to jump this one up the list. It's actually a little further down, but I'm going to jump into this new terraforming Mars card game, uh, Ares Expedition. Um, so terraforming Mars, of course, came out a few years ago now, 2016, something like that, mm. 2017. Uh, game about. As it sounds, terraforming Mars uh, for the good of corporations. Mm. Uh, so it's this is an interesting announcement because terraforming Mars is quite card driven anyway, mm. uh, but you do have a big old board that you're kind of placing hexes on and transforming the atmosphere and terrain to make it safe for humans, but of course turning a profit at the same time. Of course, um, of course. So terraforming Mars Ares Expedition is described as being inspired by terraforming Mars, which <laughs> it's, it's got, not. It's got. <laughs> the name it's terraforming mars yeah aries expedition you'd think it would be clear. more than inspired by it <laughs> it's you know? not clear whether they're just stripping out the the card play from original terraforming mars and just keeping it as cards or whether they're going to do something else with it mm. um there's not loads of details on it at the moment um they've put up kind of a, a pre-launch kickstarter page uh this is stronghold games the publisher of terraforming mars Mm. Uh, and they just said it will it will have faster gameplay and more importantly for most people I think uh, that it will have uh, there are more than two hundred cards in the box and they will have original illustrations, um, which is one of the often criticised <laughs> elements of original terraforming Mars is it just looks a bit bum. Mm. Um, the the just... front cover is really nice. It's such a shame. I really yeah. like the artwork for it, but the rest of it is just yeah. yeah. Uh, uh... So, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't played loads of Terraforming Mars. I'll be upfront. Um, it's always been one of those games that I've wanted to play more of, but I know a lot of people really love it. Mm, um, yeah, I've got yeah. I've, I've got some friends yeah, who are obsessed. Same, with that, I've yeah. got some friends who are also obsessed at the moment with playing it. Like, uh, they're always playing. I think they, they have the digital version of it, and they've been playing a lot of that. So, um, yeah, well, there's, there's quite a few examples of that where there's like smaller versions of. of larger games that kind of strip out a certain aspect of it and then just like that's it yeah. i say that i can't think of any but i <laughs> i i'm fairly sure that's happened in the past yeah um and it's so it's not just i think maybe uh tellingly uh it's not just the original designer uh there are a couple of co-designers also listed mm. um on this new game so it sounds like it might be a more substantial kind of mechanical rebuilding i guess rather than just a very quick let's let's pull this bit yeah. out and just plonk it in its own thing um and it will apparently play in between 45 minutes to an hour with up to four people as well as having solo mode so hmm. that's that's kind of what we know uh it's worth saying they previously announced terraforming mars the dice game which i think is called terraforming mars colon dice game uh <laughs> so they at least put in a little more effort with the name and didn't just call it terraforming mars colon card game is there any any updates on that or has it just been floating around? Uh, they should have called it also Terraforming Cards. Just want Terraforming to say Cards is very good, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I don't... I think the Terraforming Mars dice game was due to be released at Essen last year, but because mm. Essen didn't happen, 
um, at least in person. I'm not sure whether it was actually released. Um, I will. I will look into that. Um, we'll send our yeah. best investigators. Yes. Get on There's that case. <laughs> no word. Although they put up the Kickstarter page for Ares Expedition. There's no word yet on when the Kickstarter will actually launch or when it might be in players' hands. So could you could you make it a drinking game and call it terraforming bars? That's also very good. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I was going to be like, haha! Look, here's my witty like. I can't. I I got nothing. Yeah, don't expect wordplay from this corner at the moment. So I tell you what, instead of (laughs) watching me struggle, let's move on to this next story, um, which is that Risk is the next (laughs) board game to be adapted into a television series uh, by the creator of Netflix's House of Cards, no less. It's the most generic thing in the world. (laughs) So Risk is literally just like war. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is via Deadline, um, who report that uh, it'll be helmed by Bo Willimon, um, who was the writer and creator, I think, of the obviously the remake of House of Cards on Netflix. Mm. Uh, and Willimon will Willimon not... or Wontimon? <laughs> well, it, t- it seems that Willimon will, um, because uh, Willimon's down to write and develop the series, and in the announcement was described as quote an avid fan of Risk. <laughs> it's Which... like being an avid fan of bread it's the most like <laughs> thing in the world wow. and i love bread but it's like yeah i mean who I isn't bread. like <laughs> i am an avid fan of bread yeah it's a it's a weird one um so this is this is coming from kind of a collaboration between e1 which is like a tv and film uh, studio owned by hasbro which publishes risk um, and Westwood, which is a production company co-founded by Wellerman. Uh, in the statement they put out, um, the president of E1 said that they'd be, quote, uh, or they'd be looking to, quote, reimagine the brand and so much more. Um, the, the thing what that is, means... <laughs> yeah, the thing is, there is a reason why there are about 100 versions of Risk, because it's like, like, it's... Generic. You can just slap, yeah, you can <laughs> yeah. just slap Warhammer on it, you can slap, I think there's a Zelda one... Like, you know, it's it's just... I think it's base... The base version of Risk is just, what, like, World War One or something? I don't know. No, I think it was... I think... I want to Napoleonic? say it was Napoleonic. Yeah, Napoleonics. Yeah, um, it's just take a a European, I guess, war or, or a world war and then just, like, here it is in a, in a board game. And, like, Risk is fine. Like, I don't really have strong feelings on the game itself. It's more like the theme of it isn't exactly why... Unless you're a fan of, like, a specific version because you like the IP, the theme isn't why people play Risk. So I just don't... Yeah. I, don't I can't think any other reason why they would adapt it other than the fact that Hasbro are currently, you know, surging forward with adaptations of their brands... And it's a well-known one. Like I, yeah. I get D and D. You know, I I don't get like um, some of the other ones, like Risk, because I'm just like, well, come on, Hasbro. Like, are there other IPs that you own that actually have more of a narrative? Yeah, at some point you kind of look at it as like a cynical marketing move, where it's like people know Risk and trying to create a world war whatever war it may be 
series with with like a brand new ip is probably much harder than just going yeah i don't know it's risk and then at least some proportion of people tune in going i want to see the risk thing especially considering how competitive television is at the moment like sure if they'd done this like a few decades ago then then maybe i would be like okay that's interesting but now television is like yeah like the it's a it's a harsh world out there like you have seasons being cancelled left and right yeah i just really think you would need to pick something a bit stronger than risk yeah but we'll see i mean maybe maybe it'll be fantastic who knows who can tell you You know know. i'm digging into it but maybe it'll be the next i don't know what people argue what people castlevania wait wait till everybody gets thirsty for canon number four out of risk (laughs) (laughs) oh god um yeah i don't know people are arguing about sopranos now aren't they so let's just say Uh, that yes Um, um but as a quick reminder, because um, they're listed in this story, some of the upcoming board game and tabletop properties currently in the works for TV or film include the D&D movie, yeah. the live-action D&D series, the yep. Netflix series based on Magic the Gathering, the yep. Ticket to Ride reality show, the <laughs> Uno <laughs> game show, and the Catan film. So add that to this list. Even Catan I can see working better than Risk. Yeah. And Catan yeah. has connotations it's that just, are not it's good. It's generic war, isn't it? Generic war game number one. Anyway, we'll see. There's no word on when we might see anything out of it or who might star. Or I think they, they've confirmed that it will be series, so it will be episodic. Um, but that's about it. Mm, following the life of, what was it you said? Tank number, number two? Cannon number four. Cannon number four. Yeah, go. that'll do. Um, on similar news about uh, games that everybody owns and complains about, Uno turns 50 this year. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, a friend of mine the other day was, uh, the two of them were playing board games on TTS and they were like, um, can you, su- I, I didn't want to play with them and they were like, can you suggest a two player game? And I was like, yeah. Uh, and I was trying to think of something like that, you know, they could learn the rules themselves quite quickly. And I was like, how about Patrick? It's a really nice game. Also like the girl who's asking about it, like she's into like that kind of crafty stuff. So I thought she might like the theme. And I kind of was like, I'm going to tell them that, but I know 100% they're not going to go learn the rules themselves. So like I kind of didn't have much hope that they would do it. And in the end they played Uno and apparently they weren't even playing by the proper rules. And I was like, okay, well. Um, Mr. Jarvis, (laughs) I dare you to say the name of Uno's exact birthday. Please say it. Who knows exact birthday? As in, like the name of the anniversary that Uno is celebrating. Oh, oh yeah. Um, well, I think semi-centennial is one, mm. and then Chase in this story has used the Quinn <laughs> Quinn Quaginary. Quinn. Oh, where is it? I want to see it. Yeah, uh, this is our new challenge. You got to try and figure out how to say that. <laughs> Uh, but either way, it's turning 50, uh, and the news out of this is that they're putting out new decks, because it's Uno and they put out new decks. Um, but more more kind of notably, they are doing the first ever Uno World Championship, and the prize pool is $50,000. Whoa! Can I have $50,000, please? <laughs> it's a lot of money to win in a game of Uno. Um, high stakes. So I think it'll be open to... Um, I think you, they're inviting people to play through the digital version. I don't think there's there's details yet on exactly when it will launch, but it will be this year. Um, mm. 
So yeah, right, and then they're, right. they're putting out some some premium sets. They have slightly new mechanics. One of them comes with a coin and has some cards where you flip a coin. Lolis, um, we have to get you trained up for the uh, for the contest. I mean, one hundred percent. I'm gonna go win this and leave Dicebreaker. I'm just gonna tell you now. <laughs> well, no, that's not the plan. You're gonna spend the money player. between us. Yeah, sorry. I'm gonna. Yeah, it's like Matt this. said, I'm gonna be a pro Uno player. Yeah. I'm gonna be a Pruno player. Uh, <laughs> And what what's the adjective that comes to mind when you think of Uno? Fun. That's right. It's fifty years of being wild. Wild <laughs> is the word. That's that is the tagline for this fiftieth anniversary. Which fifty years? <laughs> I suppose are there wild cards in Uno? Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's what they change going the for. Color, right? Yeah, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about you, but I don't get particularly wild when playing Uno. But I've not played I mean, Uno in a very long time. So when you think about it, though, right? It was like it was there before the likes of like Flux and like just lots of these kind of random games where things change quickly and often. Mm. I'm yeah. more a fan I'm, I'm of trying. I'm trying. I'm more a fan of what, to be honest with you. I think it's well, a superior what? game. What? Yes. What? What? It's called what? 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 Uh, one of the, the interesting things out of this uh, article from Toy News, uh, kind of notably and probably a good indication of why Uno is being turned into a TV show and all of this, uh, is that it's available in 80 countries and it sells at a rate of 17 decks a minute. Woo. Despite literally everybody I know having played or owned Uno at some point in their lives, it continues to just fly off shelves, it seems. Wow. So, yeah, that's that's pretty staggering. So. It just kind of shows you that it's it's been around now for literally fifty years, and it's still still going yeah. strong. It's not going out away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I guess it's one of those games a lot of people will like take camping with them or play when they're drinking, so they get destroyed a lot. So then you have to buy a new set because it's just cards, isn't it? Yeah, it's just cards, isn't it? That should have been the tagline. <laughs> that should have been Dice Breakers tagline. It's just cards, isn't it? Uh, let's move on to this next one, Alex Meehan from today. Tell us about the new D and D book. Well, uh, okay, the new D and D book <laughs> uh, is called Candle Keep Mysteries. Um, I genuinely had no idea that this was coming out until it was announced. So you know, kudos to keeping the secret. But um, yeah, it's a collection of one-shot adventures, um, and the theme of it is kind of based around this place called Candle Keep which is like a fortress in the Forgotten World setting. It's it's a big, big library. And so each one shot is like its own sort of book within the library. And they're all, uh, strangely enough, themed around mystery. Um, but more importantly, each of the 17 stories, or most of them, have been written by uh, people who aren't like just directly connected to Wizards of the Coast. So they have a few like you know, recurring sort of creators doing some of the the stories. But uh, they've got quite a wide variety of writers involved, including Graham Barber, who is the creator of People of Color Gamer. It's a website um, where they presently talked about, you know, the problem that D&D's had with with racism and not possibly addressing it. And, uh, you know, we've covered this issue quite a bit in the last few months uh, particularly with the release of Tasha's Cauldron of everything you know they were among a lot of the people who were kind of disappointed by 
you know, is this the response to, you know, people's understandable complaints? Um, but they've done a one shot for this book along with contributors like Kelly Lynn D'Angelo, who is a lyricist. Um, uh, Alison, please forgive me for any of these names being butchered. Alison Holm, uh, and or creator of queer role playing content. Uh, the High Rollers Dungeon Master Mark Humes. Uh, Jennifer Kretschmer, uh, creator of resources for ex- accessibility and RPGs. Um, Daniel Kwon, who is the co-host of Asian Represent podcast. And Kiana Shaw, co-creator of the tabletop role-playing game Safety Toolbook. And that's just like some of the writers involved. Pretty much every one of the the ro- the one shots has been written by like someone from the community um you know just outside of of wizards of the coast um which is nice to see because this is a a diverse collection of of authors uh and hopefully it's a step in the right direction that wizards are taking to get you know people involved from different backgrounds who can actually provide one some more diverse sort of stories and viewpoints and to like improve the way that you know certain groups are represented in the role-playing game you know um so this book is out on march the 16th uh we don't know how much it costs uh but yeah it's it's intriguing and i like a good one shot so Mm, yeah, like you suggest, I think the like, this is a good, you know, it's a good sign from Wizards after, let's say, some not so great signs. Last year, um, yeah. But the hope is that this really. isn't just a one-off and this just becomes, like, essentially the norm. Like, every yeah. book well, um, hopefully, has this kind of, yeah. Hopefully this isn't just a response to, oops, <clears throat> we did a bad. Yeah. Um, let's make up for it by employing some great people and then just, like, not employing them again. Yeah. Um, so. And yeah. hey, maybe offer that stuff in a way that's not just selling another book. Like maybe you know, support it in ways that don't just make you more money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, ultimately, they'll like. The thing is, there's obviously a huge homebrew community for D and D that produced, you know, some really excellent stuff um, for you know people who are not just white and cis and male and unfortunately because wizards are very protective of their license uh and things like that the homebrew stuff very much is this is you know like not official stuff but you know we'll give it to you for free or or you know you contribute in some way but hopefully wizards i guess it'd be asking too much for them to kind of acknowledge that stuff a bit more rather than just kind of letting it exist. I mean, it's not as bad as, like, wiping it out or anything. So it could be worse, but... Yeah, and hopefully, you know, the writers who are kind of external members of the community here be- become the internal members of the design team for D&D in the long... In yeah, the long or at least, thing. like, reoccurring <clears throat> yeah. writers. You know, maybe some of them don't want to be tied exclusively to D&D, but certainly get their input more often please mm-hmm. 
Uh, and to tie up this week's news, uh, just a quick one, with the announcement that Origins Games Fair uh, will be returning uh, this year, at least that's the plan, uh, in person, but not until the autumn. Um, so Origins Games Fair, for folks who aren't aware, is kind of, it's more of like a trade fair. Um, it's hosted by Gamma, which is the Game Manufacturers Association of America. Um, so it's it's more focused on retailers and publishers, but it's become a one of the kind of bigger trade shows for tabletop games in general and board games specifically. Um, it's it's usually held in June time, I think June July time, early summer. Um, but last year it was postponed and then cancelled the physical event. Uh, replaced by Origins Online, which was then also cancelled um, mm. because Gamma just didn't voice any support for the Black Lives Matter movement that was taking place over the summer, um, leading to, you know, rightfully so, a number of exhibitors and designers and, and other Dropping folks out. pulling out of the event. Uh, so they ended up cancelling both the physical event and the online event. Um, but the uh, they've announced that the physical convention will return in, or from even, September 30th to October 3rd. Um, this was kind of announced with the usual caveats of the other events that have been announced recently. Um, so they've said that uh, this is based on the, quote, hopeful news um, of the vaccination rollout uh, in kind of the face of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, coupled with reports from the CDC on the safety of resuming public events. Um, so safety is our primary concern and we believe holding Origins later in the year provides the best path forward to have an in-person event this year. We're working with other game convention organisers to develop guidelines for safe events. Uh, so some of those guidelines will include wearing masks uh, as mandatory, uh, social distancing, hand sanitation stations and temperature checks. Um, mm -hmm. Apparently they'll announce those from next month onwards. So it sounds like, again, it, it's being announced with the usual caveats of if it can be held safely, it will be held. Um, but like with everything, the past 12 plus months, mm. uh, maybe take it with a pinch of salt as to whether it will actually happen. Because uh, mm. it's dependent on a number of uh, elements. Um, but still, it's it's interesting. It follows the announcement uh, that Gen Con will be back this year. Again, kind of, well, they're hoping to bring it back this year, if all is well. Um, of course, Pax Unplugged, which is uh, organised by our owners, Reed Pop, uh, the owners of Dicebreaker. That's been announced for later in the year, but subject to the same, you know, safety requirements. If it can be held safely, it'll be held. If not, it won't. Um, and Eschen Spiel, which was hot off the mark, because when they postponed it last year, they they immediately put up 2021 dates um, yep. for October 14th to 17th, uh, 2021. Uh, so... I think, like with all of this, at the moment, who who knows what we'll look like in six months, uh, let alone, you know, eight to ten. Mm. But there's there's hopefully some sign that if if the world, if the state of the world improves, then we might be looking at a return of some of those conventions. Um, although in, in what form, who can mm. tell? Mm. Um, as, a, as a great song once said, <clears throat> life is a mystery. I really thought you were going to say life, life is, is a roller coaster, yeah. Coaster, <laughs> so, who knows? Yeah, but there we go. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, of course, we hope everyone's staying safe and well out there and, you know, taking the necessary steps to protect yourself and others. Uh, 
let's move on to some emails. Email. Alex Lolies, would you like to read this one from Phil, please? Oh boy, would I ever. <laughs> Hi, Dice Maker team. 2020 is going to go down, <clears throat> has gone down, uh, as one of the most memorable, memorable years for a lot of people for one big reason. People's habits and working practices were radically changed in a very short amount of time, myself included. What is one positive that you have that you have from this whole experience. All the hugs, um, socially distant to help, and best wishes, <laughs> Phil Saunders. Thanks, Phil. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, Phil makes a fantastic point. Um, I mean, my, my at-home work setup is a lot better, I guess, that's improved <laughs> a lot. Um, I, I don't know, I don't really, I don't know how to, somebody else start. <laughs> I think it's, it's been really hard, but one of the, the things that uh, I've taken away from last year is kind of just the solace of the people around me, like friends, um, particularly. Mm. Um, you know, everyone was kind of in the same terrible situation, um, some more terrible for some than others. Um, but the way that, uh, like, my close friends um, supported both other friends and me um, at points... Um, was yeah it was it was really kind of um reassuring in terms of knowing that despite how the world can sometimes seem um there are a lot of people out there that that care um and no matter how you know dark things may get at points like how how bad things can happen um there is always an upside of people trying to do what's right uh, and mm. help each other out mm. uh so that's yeah that was what i took away from it and sometimes that came in the form of playing myong as a cat person in final fantasy 14 and sometimes that came as the result of like late night heart to hearts you know it, it took a lot of forms uh, but i was mm. just very appreciative um with friends and of course with the people i work with because we've, we've faced a lot of challenges um in the team mm. like it if you haven't noticed it's quite hard to keep covering physical board games when none of you can be in the same room together um, but we've done but, it we've done yeah, it god damn it we've kept doing it somehow um, <laughs> we've made yeah. it exactly. um, yes very well said Mr Jarvis um, for me okay Lord of the Rings I watched that again last year <laughs> just in general just the positive is Lord of the Rings <laughs> and it was great <laughs> um Playing Roots and Scythe and discovering all these really great games through digital versions uh, and, like, you know, getting excited about playing the physical version eventually. But, uh, just yeah, discovering these games that people are willing to play on a sometimes weekly basis uh, and kind of, yeah, having the opportunity to get really like deep into those kind of games because usually I wouldn't do that sort of thing usually like I would play whatever but because you know we can't meet in person and you know people uh, don't have anything better to do <laughs> we play Root every week for several months which I really enjoy um, and also like more seriously like I have a general problem with not allowing myself to take time 
to just do nothing. And like, obviously, with the pandemic, I can't go out and do things I would usually often do. So obviously, I feel that time with work and whatever. But like, it's kind of forced me to to not do anything, which is sometimes nice because like I actually learn how to relax and sometimes I can really struggle with that so I think last year was really good for teaching me how to relax a bit more <laughs> in the most stressful year but I, yeah. yeah I mean I have yeah I absolutely get yeah that. just like watch yeah. some tv or play a video game or something not like some social obligation mm. or yeah. work or you know like going to the shop or something it's just me sat there doing something i do enjoy that you know doesn't require me to schedule anything in i think mine is actually quite similar to kind of what both of you have been saying it's i think it's people as well and it's weird because if you'd asked me in 2019 what i think about people i would have told you i hate people (laughs) (laughs) but like 2020 has really seen like yeah like my friendship group well you know certain members of my friendship group kind of getting tighter with each other and like i guess almost like seeing who your friends are um but also um i've made a lot of new friends through like streaming uh, through dicebreaker and through streaming kind of i guess both because a lot of the community i've been streaming came from dicebreaker and then obviously like the dicebreaker community in itself has been like really great um yeah just made some new friends and kind of i guess i've had more time to get closer with friends i already had or people who were acquaintances before who've become very close friends Mm. to me this year um yeah i guess that that is it that is what 2020 has been good for and also i've yeah found found something that i'm really like passionate about and it's like a fun project for me as well mm. Get, getting time to just do some creative stuff that's not like for work necessarily work yeah. related mm. yeah yeah mm. all right thanks phil uh i forgot to mention that if you have a question or message for us uh, you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker.com uh, or you can find us on Twitter at Join Dicebreaker, Ooh. or just pop on the website and leave a comment, dicebreaker.com. Uh, me and would you like to read this one from Ollie, please? Uh, Oliver says, What's been the biggest positive surprise of the year? A new game? A new way to play things? Something that works better than expected? Hmm. I think going off to playing the same kind of board games online, I think my biggest unexpected surprise is like how I could actually be somewhat competent with those kind of games. So like in the past, games like Scythe and Root and things like that, like Chunky, you know, um, on the on the higher end scale of weight, although debatable, um, like games like that I'd usually be too scared to kind of touch because you know I have like an idea that I'm not especially great at you know devising strategies and being competitive in that kind of situation but like last year or over the last year I've kind of discovered that actually you know I'm not winning consistently just fine because I'm playing with people who also have a lot of experience with playing board games 
Um, but I'm not doing like embarrassingly bad and I'm actually enjoying it and I'm learning more from it and getting better every time I play. I think, yeah, the big surprise is learning that I'm capable of, of like doing that. Uh, and that's been a, a nice surprise. There you go. Nice. Lolis? Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's really a surprise. I guess, like, for me, because I mean, a new game was one of the, the questions there. Um, I have a bunch of new games um, that I kind of got, particularly at the end, kind of towards the end of last year. Um, because in the last, like, five years or so, I've always worked either for a board game company or for, like, you know, Dicebreaker, and it's or or at a board game cafe so i've always had access to quite a big library of games so i've never really found the need to buy games unless i really 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 like it like that's kind of always been like my thing i'm like i don't really buy a game unless i know i'm gonna play it to death because uh, otherwise i just have access to it at work and so last year um, also like partly because i wanted to have like games in my library but actually more so because I wanted to try and support like board game cafes and shops that are obviously um, having to shut down because of the pandemic and are kind of relying on selling games and like doing little bits of other things that I've been trying to like do my bit, even if it's one game at a time, um, uh, trying to do that. So yeah, I have a bunch of games that are still in plastic because I haven't had a chance to play them, but it's, um, I guess, games that I have been long overdue for to be in my library anyway. Um, you know, that I've kind of had a list of games that I've wanted to add for a while and last year was kind of a good time and reason to, to do that and to try and do my bit and help out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's actually similar to well, what both of you kind of said um, for the last question, is that I, for several years, many years, um, was writing for a board game magazine and I was reviewing about a dozen to two dozen games a month um so it was a constant it was a very kind of intense uh experience of playing things every night having to play them to review standard write something up get it out um and this year um partly because dicebreaker is a different kind of outlet and partly because of everything that's happened um i've been able to slow down and just uh kind of rediscover games that i had kind of played at the time and maybe enjoyed but just had to move on from because of the nature of things um or that i just hadn't had the experience to really play before uh, so i've discovered like multiple new rpgs that i'd never played before um mm. that i played with a group who it was hard to get together before whereas it kind of as a silver lining of everybody being remote uh, we were hopping in a video call each weekend and p different people were gming and different people were playing different games and and so on so i think it's been a nice surprise of just sometimes in this job having done it for a long time now um and it happened it happened when i worked in video games as well it's it's very different um covering things professionally compared to enjoying them as a hobby um you obviously mm -hmm. do it because you love games but sometimes it's it's so much work and you are completely immersed in it all the time that you just don't have the opportunity to go back to things or sometimes it they're the last thing you want to do in your free time because all of your working hours are spent looking at board games or thinking about board games or playing board games mm -hmm. um 
So I think it's it's been nice to be able to be like, oh, right, I do really love board games. That's why I do this job. But also I can enjoy them outside of, you know, the professional bits. Hmm. An excellent answer. Uh, I'll read this one from Rampaging Noob on Twitter. <laughs> uh, Please may I ask, if you all had to pick one book as your all-time favourite, perhaps most inspirational or defines your taste in books, what would it be? Mine is called <laughs> When I Was Five I Killed Myself, which sounds really dark. But it's that didn't it didn't happen in the book spoiler. Um <laughs> But that that is the title of, of the book and it's been my favourite for a few years and I highly recommend it. But it's it's kind of quirky. It's written from the um, point of view of an eight-year-old who uh, was misunderstood and gets sent to like a kind of an institute. Um, but it's it's because it's written from this eight-year-old perspective, it's really sweet and very funny and, um, and very innocent as well because he just doesn't really understand a lot of the things that are kind of happening to him. Um, it's really, it's not even a very long book either. It's, it's, Really, really like it. That's my fave. Mm. Nice. Mr. Java. Oh, gosh. You have an answer. Uh, I'm horrifically... I'm, I did English literature at university, so <laughs> like a lot of the books that I read um, for like a long time were the kind of horrifically pretentious, you know, classics. Mm. And I think... Like, I, I read modern stuff now, but a lot of the what I read is informed through that. But I think, although it's a horrendous choice, I one of the books that I remember reading and being like, wow, was Ulysses by James Joyce. And it wasn't because it was like this massive, you know, like incredibly intellectual book or anything like that. I think it was a book that I read and it went beyond what a book could do, if that makes sense. So like the way it was written, the structure of it, mm. you know, the way it plays around with if you're reading it out loud, it's it sounds a certain way. And mm. it was one of the, I think particularly having read a lot of like dusty old classics to that point for school, um, it was one of those books that I remember reading just being like, wow, this is so different and it kind of plays with what books can do. And it's similar, like I really like House of Leaves that does a similar thing where it plays with the way the text looks on the page. And I think a lot of what I enjoy are books and it, things in general, um, like games, films, that go beyond what you would expect from that kind of like medium, I guess. Mm. It's like, oh, this is like playing around with this in a fun way. And it can be, you know, you can look at it and go, hmm, 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 yes, yes, I'm going to write many essays about this. Or you can just read it and have fun with it. And it's designed for you to have fun with it if you just read it a certain way. Mm, yeah. So I so that old saying of there are two wolves inside of you is very relevant for me when it comes to books because on the one hand I like Matt also did English literature at why well, did literature and language at university and before that I was a massive uh, reader as well and so at university so I I like both classic novels you know that you would read on a course in a in university but i also like a lot of fantasy and sci-fi novels and particularly young adult novels 
so when I want something a bit more intellectual and one that really, you know, uh, pushes myself, I'll read like a classic novel. But then when I just want something that's kind of for fun, I'll read a lot of young adult fiction. But like, so mine's kind of a two-part answer. So when it comes to the classic stuff, I'm a massive fan of Thomas Hardy, who was a 19th century novelist. Uh, and uh, I did my dissertation on his work and everything. And uh, uh, his book, Far From the Madding Crowd, is like one of my favourite books of all time. I love it so much. I love the character of Bathsheba so much. I used to vision myself as her. Uh, I love that book so much because it's just about how it's about understanding people and their different perspectives and also like understanding you know people's independence and like respecting that uh, and uh, so there's that choice but then when it comes to the sort of fi like fantastical young adult stuff so when I was quite a bit younger I didn't used to read at all uh, I used to listen to a lot of audiobooks <laughs> my mum would be like you should read more it's good for you uh, but then one of the first books I ever read uh, was called Sabriel Matt might know it um, I don't. Oh, okay. uh, it's a young adult book about a young woman who becomes like a they're like a necromancer but sort of not and it's written in that way of it's for younger a youngish audience but it doesn't like treat them like idiots and it still has some really interesting ideas in it and like when i first read that it sort of sparked this obsession this obsession in me to read like all the time so then after i read that i just ate up books like nobody's business uh and now i read quite a lot because of that so those are my answers Nice. Uh, to tag on the end of this, what's a book you've both been reading recently that you've enjoyed? I've been reading the, the Stand for about six months, and when I say I've been reading for about six months, I haven't touched the book in about three is months. That Steve, so... Is that Stephen King? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've... Um, it's it's about uh, like um, a disease that like spreads around the world and oh, kills gosh. people. So it's oh gosh. Oh god, lonely. Can understand why you might have put it down. <laughs> it's really good. I really enjoyed it, but um. I I've, I don't know. I used to be a big reader as well. I used to read all the time, but in in recent years, I found it like really hard. I just I can't concentrate. I don't know what it is, but um, I get, I get really easily distracted and stuff. Mm. Uh, I'm currently reading a book called Rhythm of War, uh, by Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the Stormlight Archives series of books, um, which are like high fantasy. Uh, novels uh, there's lots of magic and things like that but it's it's kind of very quite subversive in a lot of ways particularly towards high fantasy as a genre and like the concepts of being honorable and the, the way we do things and stuff and it has some of the best character arcs i've ever experienced in a book series uh, and oh my god it's so big um i've been reading it for like a month and i'm only about 20 percent through <laughs> uh it's an i don't have the physical copy i've got it on kindle but it is a massive chunk um but i would recommend pretty much anything from brandon sanderson anyway because that they, they write a lot of good stuff and they never stop writing they're, i don't know how they sleep <laughs> the the amount of novels they've written is is astounding um massive work ethic hmm. 
How about you, Matt? Uh, I'm at the moment. I'm reading uh, "At Swim to Birds" um, by Flan O'Brien, uh, who was an Irish writer from like the 30s or 40s, uh, maybe a little later on. But it is. It's very. Uh, it plays into the thing I was saying earlier about. It's a story about a student that basically goes out, has a bunch of drinks, pukes everywhere. Um, but then he's writing a story about a the owner of a pub who is then writing a story about um, old Irish legends. Um, so apparently, I, I am not the right person to know, but apparently it remixes a lot of existing Irish legends and mythology. So characters mm. from actual mythology together but then all the stories start blending into one. So there are, like, the characters start resisting what each writer is trying to do and start popping into the different stories. It's, like, very oh. meta. But, uh, that sounds cool. I'm enjoying it. It's it's very... It's got, like, a very... I mean, it's very of the time, but it's also got a very um, base sense of humour points. Like, there's a lot of people getting drunk and throwing up. Mm. Um, there's a lot of like I mean that's just Ireland yeah Um, (laughs) whoa (laughs) now that I think about it a a book that I maybe would have said actually as a book that I just love is Confederacy of Dunces um, which is very similar in that it's like it's effectively about nothing but it's very silly and has a lot of jokes in uh, see like I just find it amusing that even though we have very similar tastes in certain things Matt Jarvis I feel like our taste in books are like so different like in terms of you like books that kind of deliberately try to mess with the medium whereas anything like that annoys me so much (laughs) (laughs) like i just get it's why i'm not a big fan of um uh oh my goodness i can't remember her name now um wolf wolf yeah i don't like virginia wolf i respect her she's fine but i just don't (laughs) like that style of oh, we're going to twist with the medium, man. We're going to do things your eyes have never seen. I'm just like, I just yeah. want to read a story, goddammit. Like... <laughs> it can definitely disappear up its own backside at points. Yeah, I'm just like not a fan of that. Yeah. Of that. But it's, I, and I respect the fact that you are a fan of it. So, uh, no. All right. Uh, should we try and squeeze in one one last one here? Uh, no. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, my talking question because I've got to do it. Why not? Uh, <laughs> Lolies, would you like to read this one from Revolver Rock? I'll add that I cut this down a little bit because there were quite a few questions here. Uh, thank oh, you for your mm-hmm. full email. They were good questions. I've just cut it down for time, but thank you for your email. Okay. Revolver Rock says Hello, I hope you had a brilliant festive season and that coming year is good to you all. Here are some questions, I guess. <laughs> Apart from Embryo Machine, and that's pretty clever, are there any other translated games with revolting titles? question number one um and also with the uk going back into lockdown and kids learning from home are there any games you w- would recommend for being educational yours sincerely revolver rock yeah thank you for your question uh this this follows oh. on from last week's podcast um, <laughs> uh, if you don't have the context for the name embryo machine um yeah it, it's a japanese uh, board game that's been translated into english that's about fighting mechs uh, and they are called embryo machines um, mm. But I think, I think Ganshon Clever is awkward. I don't think it's like it doesn't leave like a eh, taste yeah. in the mouth like Embryo Machine. It's like um, it's like Ghost Splits, like that's Geiser Splits, but mm. like people call it Ghost Splits. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it sounds as good. Ghost Splits. 
I don't know. Is it just me? Does that make any sense in English? I think uh, that's another one of those games that I've always heard people just call it its German title, like Gans. Like, it oh. has an English title, but people just don't use it, as far as I've ever heard. But... I, I call it Ghost Splits, but... Oh. Yeah, I know lots of people call it Ghost Splits. Well, not lots of people, but yeah, a few. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, the intricacies of, of different languages, yeah, they, they can have effect, but... Um... I guess gun and gun, like, <laughs> is that what it's called in, in gun and gun, yeah, in Japanese, like. Uh, I don't know if that's the original title or if that's. Yeah, but... it just seems like a bit of a, a. It's stupid in a way that's kind of fun, but also like. Yeah, does it actually describe the game? <laughs> uh, I guess you're wielding weapons, but that could be any game, really. Um, I can't think of any other examples. Yeah, I think often, like, that's that's pretty clever, Gunshot Clever. It's like, it's a bit awkward and clunky. Mm. But I think I'd rather have that than just something that feels so bland. And I feel like that's often more the problem in board games. It's like, it's just yeah. generic kind of fantasy twaddle where it's like, I don't know, epic adventure, number one. Or yeah. sword and sword and sorcerer, or sword and, you know... Yeah, swingy, they try and swingy like, sword and magicy cast. Like a lot it's of just... trans- yeah, a lot of translation stuff just tries to like m- like water it down for the audience that it's sort of selling it to, um, and so they'll they will pick like a generic name like that rather than something that might be a bit truer to the mm. the original. But as for educational games, uh, I would recommend Timeline. Uh, which mm. is like it's not the best like the most exciting game in the world it's just you have cards in your hand and they do different packs it's like when pe- famous people or inventions or world events um but you just try and place them in the right place along a timeline so as you mm. place more yeah. cards and each has a date you're trying to guess where you know did this come before or after this did it come before or after that and find the right place and then you flip them over and see if you're right which I think, like I say, it's it's pretty standard as a card game. Like it, it does what it does, but I think as an educational tool, it's probably pretty useful. I think also if you're kind of going along that kind of thing, because it's kind of like trivia, that isn't it? Um, mm. Linky, we we played Linky on a Christmas party stream, and they've got Dinky Linky as well, which is for like eight plus, mm. and that's essentially just a trivia game, but for like tailored to to kids, which is quite good. Mm. Um, obviously the questions are simpler mm. and stuff. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about that. What was that game we had in the office that had a penguin on it? Penguin. Oh, Peril. the break the ice thing. Yeah. Is that was educational? No, 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 I just no, I know it's not. I just can't stop thinking about it. Because it had an amazing box cover. Um, yeah. There's definitely loads, but my mind's just gone absolutely blank. I know. Similio? Would that count? Yeah, I suppose. I guess like the thing there is you'd need there's to There's a historical one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's got it's got famous people in it, so if you're just trying to make learning names interesting, mm. or, or there's a there's a fictional one as well, isn't there? Yeah, about like like fairly well known like fairy tale characters and stuff. Yeah, I think there's a few. I'm sets. gonna think of loads, and then I'm gonna film them separately. <laughs> I'm just gonna, <laughs> gonna edit myself into here. That might be in- <laughs> uh, time's just gonna freeze for us while you're like yeah. <laughs> No, I'll have you guys still like talking, but I'll like cut out your audio, so you'll still be like, <laughs> like moving around. 
Yes, I know exactly the thing to suggest. It's this game that I am inserting now. Thanks, me. Like, um, like the the clip, the same clip of me and Matt talking is just going to be like looped over and over again while you're just. Yeah. 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 yeah, uh, Thank you for your question. We hope, Mm. obviously, you're you're staying safe and uh, you know it's not not disrupting things too much um, for either you or your. Uh, your kids. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's about it for this week's Dice Breaker <gasps> podcast. Uh, we will return, of course, next <laughs> Friday. Thank you for well, thank you for being back, Lolies. It's nice to have you back. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> thank you for not firing me over the Christmas break. <laughs> oh, right. no, uh... um, oh, of course, we should we should say what's coming up. That's the bit of this podcast that I've forgotten and skipped over. Uh, <laughs> Alex Lolies sure. of the video team. What what can we expect? Just, just... Uh, we can expect many great videos such as the ones I'm about to tell you <laughs> like for example how oh my god turn off features um, oh my god <laughs> how for example there's the stream that we did yesterday which will have been painting right mm-hmm. um, on Friday the podcast which you're listening to now <laughs> Saturday Hopefully, we should have a list of five games we can't play in 2021. Uh, what? What? Did you say we can't play? We can't wait to play. Did I say we can't play? I think that's what. Sorry. I, that maybe that's what I heard. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Sunday, I think the guys are playing Din at some point, and they're gonna do a video on that. And then on Wednesday, I don't know if this is what the name of it is, or if they we don't have anything on Wednesday, and they've just decided to put something in. But it says Henata Tafel. Oh so... yeah, that's the Viking game Will's <laughs> oh. chatting about on last week's podcast. Right, Henata okay. I've I've not really been here the last. Yeah. Well, I've been here the last two days, but I've not been very involved in the planning. I have to admit. So um, yes. That is what's happening. All right. <laughs> just uh, go to the YouTube page. You're, yeah. you're on it right now, possibly. Possibly. Just follow us. Just hit the bell icon. Yeah. Give us a follow. Yeah. Like, subscribe. <laughs> and then you'll know. Then you don't have to keep coming to the podcast every week and finding out from me who doesn't know. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, over on Dicebreaker.com, uh, we already have up um, a list of the best Black Library books uh, from the Warhammer 40,000 universe uh, by Emma Putnam. Uh, if you are looking to get into that universe, I've not read any of them, but I've always been intrigued. There are a lot of Warhammer books, it turns out. There are uh, a lot. So if you want to trim down to just the good ones, uh, we've got you covered. Uh, this Friday, we will have a little sneak peek of the next Magic the Gathering set, Coldheim. <gasps> Coldheim? Um, mm. uh, with maybe, maybe an exclusive reveal. I can. <gasps> we definitely have an exclusive reveal, I can, I can tell you that. Um Meanwhile, coming out, of course, we have uh, daily news uh, from myself, Mian, and Chase, mm. uh, who's joined us again. Uh, we're very grateful for that. Uh, and we will have, well, very soon, or within, let's say within the next couple of weeks, uh, one Alex Mian is looking at some of the best board games you should be playing uh, right now. Uh, yeah. Kind of the, the top picks from the last few years. So, this is the oh. best, the ultimate. Ooh. The yes. best of the best. The only list of board games you need to. I hope Vast's not on there, Ian. <laughs> Have my feelings on the game indicated? That it's <laughs> number one, root. Number two, scythe. <laughs> just by quantity, if nothing yeah. else. It would just be root, scythe, and clank, and that's it. 
um, but we will of course have more features and interviews and looks ahead to the new year and what's coming out very soon uh, so if you're not already keep your eyes peeled on youtube.com slash dicebreaker dicebreaker.com and find us on twitter at join dicebreaker um, oh, but I- until we return next Friday this has been the Dicebreaker Podcast thank you so much for being here Alex Lolies. thank you for having me thank you for joining us Alex Meehan it's been wonderful uh, I've been Matt Jarvis stay safe out there look after yourselves and until we meet again have a lovely day bye, bye. bye.